Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to the bloody awesome movie podcast. That's right. My name is Matt Hudson from What I Watch Tonight, and joining me from across the water is the statesman to my kingsman and a jolly good fellow as well, it's John Burke from Burke Reviews. How are you, my friend? I am doing quite excellent, Matt, because I stopped at our local Dunkin' Donuts, as I <sighs> often do before we record, but not just for any coffee. But the new pumpkin cream cold brew that Duncan has, um, because it's it's August, why not have pumpkin? Um, that's my philosophy. And so I've been I'm enjoying this delicious, delectable thing. I wish they were a sponsor. They're not, folks. You can get your pumpkin coffee from wherever. This one happens to be very close to my house and on my way home from work. What a perfect time to uh, to fuel up before the podcast. It's quite good, sir. It's quite good. <laughs> Other donut retailers are available, but they may or may not be as good. But oh damn! It's obviously as as per the last show, I've been in isolation, not anymore, so I haven't been able to go out. I've seen people talking about the the pumpkin is coming back. Uh, it's that time of the year, almost, almost. Oh, but yeah. it is coming out now. JB opening up by saying he's gone to a donuts institution. Damn, I'm missing out here, but for reasons I'll mention later. It may only be a pipe dream, these donuts, but uh, I'm glad to hear you're keeping Florida well. As I say, I'm out of isolation now, so I'm actually able to go out and watch films in a screening with lots of other people, for better or worse. Um, still haven't seen <laughs> the night house so annoyingly, but ah. um, quite glad to be able to um, have the fresh air uh, wash over me once again. Um, and because I am now out of isolation, means i was able to come and see the film we're covering this week and i was so very excited to get the negative test so i can come and see this film uh if you just yes. as a heads up if you are new to the show firstly welcome uh secondly on the main episode of the bloody awesome movie podcast all of our reviews are non-spoiler so for the film we're going to talk about tonight it's going to be non-spoiler in a few days time usually on a monday we'll drop our spoiler mini so 15 minutes of us giving our spoiler thoughts but if you haven't seen this film you're not going to get spoiled from it. So without any further, because you can't see it at the bottom of your podcast provider, tonight we're covering Candyman. Don't say it five times. We're covering Candyman, directed by Nia DaCosta. And yes, it is. Some people seem to forget that. Directed by Nia DaCosta, written and produced by Jordan Peele, written by Peele, Wynn Rosenfeld and Nia DaCosta as well. So written and directed by DaCosta. And it stars Yaya Abdul-Mateen II, Tayona Paris, Nathan Stewart Jarrett, Coleman Domingo. We both like him. Uh, Kyle Kaminsky uh, and Vanessa Williams. A letterbox says uh, about the film, Anthony... Uh, Yaya Abdul-Mateen II and his partner move into a loft in the now gentrified Cabrini after a chance encounter with an old timer exposes Anthony to the true story behind Candyman he unknowingly opens a door to a complex past that unravels his own sanity and unleashes a terrifying wave of violence Um, critically let's see how it's doing 85% on Rotten Tomatoes Good return. 72 on Metascore, which is almost, if not even more important. Uh, IMDB users give it 6.4. And Letterboxd is 3.5 out of 5. So critically, and via the and the customers, the fans, seem to be embracing this film. I seem to say it's pretty good. It's available now in theatres. It's not on any streaming platforms. Only theatres only. Um, so Candyman, Candyman 2021. Uh, is another s- sort of spiritual sequel which takes the same title as the film it's a sequel to hello halloween um 
and I've been looking forward to this film for a long time because I, I dig the original um, Candyman from 1993, I believe, um, with Tony Todd star. So I was looking forward to it. It's meant to come out last year. It was it was bumped because of COVID twice, and it was bumped from October last year, I think, to August this year. And I was bummed about that because I was so excited to see it, um, which was a blessing in one way that I, so I could see it on the cinema. They didn't just stick it on streaming, but it's a curse as well because an extra, you know, nearly 12 months of time to get excited about this film. Could it lead, lead up to any kind of expectations? Um, so straight up, uh, I thought Candyman was really quite good. I think it was uh, pretty decent. In fact, it's got a really tight runtime of about 90 odd minutes or so. So it's not overburdened by exposition and the way they, uh, the way they, do the expository dialogue in this film isn't necessarily how you expect it's not even it's dialogue with a twist watch the it's been in the trailers as well but um so the way they kind of go back and show the flashbacks is done in a really creative way which i think was great because it then made more time for the current story that nia da costa wanted to tell i think the car i think yaya in the lead i really thought he was very good as the lead i think the way mm-hmm. that he and tayona paris uh, work together was very good. I thought his uh, story in the film, I mean, if you've seen the trailers, you probably see where he may end up in some part of the film, but I think he handled that well. I think he had a presence about him. Uh, I think Coleman Domingo had a presence about him. He had this kind of, yeah. he was always, he, he was very unnerving the way that his character uh came across a uh, character William Burke. He was a, uh, like he's the old timer. Yeah. I asked character, Anthony McCoy. If you've seen the first Candyman film you know where we're going with this but um i thought i thought it was good i thought there were some decent scares or some decent moments of uh tension there was a couple of really good shots when it came to the the, the violence scenes one in particular involving a long shot on a penthouse i thought that's fantastic um it's i mentioned violent it's not yes it's violent but it's not overly violent it does what the best horror films of old do and it leaves a lot of it to your imagination, which I much prefer. I a lot of the time, I much prefer not necessarily seeing, but you know, in seeing in my mind's eye what happened, and I find it a lot more terrifying. Um, I think the way they they utilise the original the story of the original, the legend, the lore, the myth of Candyman, and brought it into a twenty twenty one or twenty nineteen twenty twenty when this was shot setting was well done i see the people online saying maybe it's too on the nose i see those complaints for me i don't think it was so i think because Candyman in itself you know the first film is very much about um the struggles of black people you know the life in the ghetto what the ghetto represents uh in that first film and Candyman became an icon for black cinema for black horror again as i mentioned last week we really only had i could not not have the living dead beforehand otherwise uh black people in certainly in horror were the first ones to die usually, um, or they were just the comic relief who would then die. Um, so Candyman was an important milestone in black horror uh, cinema. And th- this film, you know, does its best to take that bat on time will tell how successful it was in, in terms of creating a legacy. Um, it's only been out a few days. However, on my viewing, I really thought this was good. I liked the ending. I thought that was good. Um, I, I've heard a lot of people also say that they were let down by the ending. But for me, it was it was tense. It was well written. It was paced so very well. It's well acted. Uh, I had a very good time with Candyman. And it 
it was what I wanted from a 2021 Candyman, a, a, a spiritual successor, soft reboot, whatever you want to call it. I thought it was a successful attempt, and I think Nia Costa deserves all the praise for this. Uh, and it looked stunning as well, some great mm. um, technical shots in there. But JV, Candyman, what are you thinking? So, I, I love this movie. Um, oh, yes. I, I, I'm, I, I have to admit, Matt, over the last, I think the last year, I've really started embracing horror in a bigger way than like i've always liked horror but i think as i've really dove into a lot of older horror this year and a variety of horror films i really have embraced the genre much more than i used to um and i liked the 92 Candyman or 93 Candyman, whichever mm-hmm. year it is um and i just rewatched or I, I thought i rewatched it i watched it for the first time i mentioned it on a couple episodes ago and um the the an issue I brought up with an article that Jordan Peele had written and, and on another episode as well was that the other three entries into this world have all been from white directors and yep. this is a black story and it should have a black voice at its helm and we get that with DaCosta and with Peele um, and it, it feels different um, it it feels more sincere in a lot of ways and I think. The, the way they use the mythology of Candyman, which is what the first movie is about. Like, the, the lead character, um, I'm going to forget her name, Hale, Hale, something I can't think of. She's a major element of both this movie and the original, uh, is researching mythology. Like, that's how Lyle. Candyman's... Uh, uh, Lyle, that's it. Yeah, yeah sorry, yeah. Th- that's how it is even brought up into the universe of the film, right? Like, is that she's investigating myth. And he is a myth of the the urban area, and she learns about Candyman. And then there's so much that can be read in and interpreted about it. And I think the first movie does a decent job with it. I think this movie really executes. And I understand why people might say it's on the nose, but there's a lot of subtlety within that as well. So while while the main message is blatant and clear, there's so much nuance in the story and how everything ties together. And um, I think the big thematic element that the first movie has that this movie has is this idea of systemic racism and all of the problems that are encompassed within that and how they tackle that I found to be really, really compelling. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like, like you said, um, they find interesting ways of not showing the violence, but letting you know it's happening. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say they show nothing. It's, it's not a PG 13 horror film. Mm-hmm. This, it, no, it no, gets no. its R rating, but they do, they don't linger on the violence. Um, a lot of times we're looking at the aftermath or the impact that the violence might have on other people. Um, there's a really cool scenario, which I won't get into any of the specifics or anything, but we're watching a person who is safe from the violence. Know that violence is happening just outside this door. She's, you know, on the other side of, and it's yeah. such a powerful way to see the fear and the terror and again, still see some of the aftermath of the violence, but not actually witness the horrific things that are taking place, but knowing that they're there. And it's that type of storytelling that I think really works. It really adds to the atmosphere. Um, you know, some of my students have also seen this and it's been interesting hearing their takes on it. Um, you know, some felt like it wasn't scary enough. Uh, and I, obviously that's such a subjective thing. What scares one person might be, you need a jump scare or something to really get a reaction. And other times it's just the atmosphere. The, the, the tension is enough to scare somebody in it. It's so subjective, but um, I, none of them have said they didn't like it. You know, even the ones who were like, Oh, it wasn't scary enough. They still thought it was good. They just were wanting a little more. Um, 
I was just kind of blown away by so much of it. I thought, like you said, the visuals in this film throughout uh, mm-hmm. are so innovative and, and gorgeous. And they, she finds interesting places of where to put the camera. Um, there's a scene where he's painting and we're looking up at him from the floor and like his head is like almost matching the painting that he's doing. Yeah. And it's just this really cool visual. Uh, there's a lot of like surreal kind of elements with, uh, with mirrors and things like that, which makes yes. so much sense to the mythos. Um, and something that I found interesting before rewatching the first film and this one is that this movie has like a Mandela effect. Uh, I don't know if this is in the UK, but in the States, we've always had this thing, Bloody Mary, where you like look in the mirror and say Bloody Mary three times. And it's very much the Candyman. So we had that before Candyman came out in 92. Like we, we were doing that when I was in elementary school. Like that was a thing. And it was three times for that. And I feel like most people think Candyman is three times because of that, but it's five. Even the original movie, it's five. But like, when the trailer was dropping for this, everyone was like, I think one of the trailers says you say it five times. And my friends and I were like, no, yes. it's three times, but it's five times. It's always been five times, but in, and I keep hearing other people do this. So it's like a very unimportant Mandela effect kind of thing mm-hmm. where people think uh, it's three, but it's five. Everybody, it's, it is five, it's five times. Um, there's some really cool, like background visuals in this too, where like, like when the characters are saying things, like if you're paying attention to what's around them, like the, the Candyman figure will like be in the background, but very subtly, or it's just in a reflection. And there's some really cool stuff (laughs) that they play with, with this that I thought was awesome. And I think maybe some people would miss. And so it would reward a second viewing. Um, But I, I was very into this movie. I definitely liked the lore. And one of the things I really enjoy about this one is if you have not seen the first movie, or if you didn't know this was a sequel, and not a reboot. Because I think a lot of people just assumed a reboot, right? Because it's called Candyman. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, that this movie does a good enough job of rehashing the first film so that you at least have a, a Cliff Notes version of it, right? Like you get the gist of what happened in the first film so that you can follow along with what's happening here. I don't think you're quite as invested um, having not seen the first one, but I think there's enough in this movie that anyone can come to this completely cold and you'll get everything you need to enjoy this particular film in at least a, a in at least some way. I, again, I think if you've seen the first film, you're more invested and in it, it'll hit a little harder, but I think you can, you can go into this blind and still get what you're supposed to get from it. Yeah, I th- you're right. They, they, um, they give you that exposition in such a, a great way that, which I'm watching it thinking it, yeah, that's, I, I, I recognize that from the first film. I understand. Yeah. I understood that reference. Um, but if you didn't haven't seen that film, then it plays as almost part of a a new law, a new a, a new web to weave. Almost if you haven't seen yes. that first film, because of the way that it unfolds. Um, I like the fact that Anthony McCoy he's a he's an art uh, he's an artist in this mm-hmm. film, whereas in the first film, Virginia Madsen as Helen Lyle, she was a grad student who was investigating the Candyman, um, the mystery, the law behind it. Yeah, yeah. Anthony McCoy is um, seduced by it. it. It gives him inspiration for his art. Again, that's not a spoiler. Um, get, you know, he's, this is how Candyman is introduced. Or the idea, sorry, of Candyman is via the uh, Anthony McCoy's come about having like an artist block type thing. He doesn't know what to paint, and he's got a, there's a important reason why he needs to start painting coming up. And I like mm. that because it also then plays into the relationship between him and Brianna, his girlfriend, Tiana Paris. Um, yes she's really also, good in this. she is good and um troy brianna's brother played by nathan stewart jarrett i think he's very good as well oh yeah um, 
it's in, in this. So they're, they're together, kind of when they're on screen, it's, it's good fun. Uh, I say good fun. And there are some actually moments in here where I, where I, I chuckled at. There are some little jokes in here, yeah. which were, which I didn't expect to, is a few moments, um, especially one slightly kind of morbid uh, joke about halfway through, which, which made me giggle. But there's a few moments of levity in this, but they work though. Um, and I yeah, mean, that's I, just, I think Peel's ability to, to balance comedy and horror is, um, pretty exceptional and yeah. it, it comes off. I mean, obviously he's not the director, but we got to give some credit to the script. It, there's definitely moments that feel like, um, a Jordan oh, yeah. Peele there's script. Peelisms throughout. Yeah. This is definitely near the Costa's film, but you can't yes. deny, you know, there is a Jordan Peele kind of thumbprint in, in on some of these frames. And I have seen, I don't know if you have seen Little Woods, um, which is DaCosta's previous film. I saw it at Tribeca a couple of years ago. Um, and it's, it's very good. It stars um, uh, Lindsay, not Lindsay, what's her, the girl from Baby Driver and uh, Tessa Thompson. Um, oh, um, la, 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 l- Lily James? That's it, Lily James. Yep. I was like, it's name. Um, Little Woods is, is really solid, though. It was one of my favorites uh, from Tribeca that year. A lot of people haven't because it wasn't. I've super heard of it. It is on Hulu um, here mm-hmm. in the States. That's not a thing you have. I just remembered. Um, Thank you. <laughs> uh, but um, I'm probably going to recommend this next week, actually. But uh, it's a really tough movie. It's much more drama um, than this. But there is there's some major horror. And I don't know if you've looked at her filmography, but uh, DaCosta is directing The Marvels. Yes. Um, the, that is the Captain Marvel sequel that's also going to feature Miss Marvel and I forget the other character they've um Captain Marvel. Oh, uh and then uh Monica Rambo um from the uh, uh, division will will be in in the Marvels as well. So, uh very excited to see what Takasa gets to do there. Um and I I think this has just gone into production if I'm not mistaken. Um Yes. So, yeah, uh you know, great to see a, a very young, as far as like her body of work is very, you know, early still. But um, I think she, she really demonstrated a great eye and a great sense of like storytelling visually in mm-hmm. this movie. And I think that's great to see. Um, I really hope we continue to see filmmakers getting opportunities to, to explore and do things and it not be inherently what we've seen before. You know, like this Candyman it feels like a connection to that old one, but it is a different movie. Like it feels like a modern film and it feels, you know, the sensibilities of it aren't just like, they're not rehashing what the first movie did, but they're also definitely like, there's a loving affection to that connection. It's not like, Oh, well this is a sequel. And I feel like that was the same with Halloween in 2018. Like it's a, clearly it's a new movie, but it's clearly a love letter to the original. And I think this movie succeeds at doing that too. And I like that. I like that. It's not just erasing or trying to erase what came before it. It, it is. And that's kind of built into the story of Candyman mm-hmm. as well. It's, it's not, it's about not forgetting how we got here, but also knowing that we have to keep moving forward. And lastly, I think an important detail is that this movie coming out now, especially here in the States, if you aren't aware that it was filmed before all of the chaos of 2020s, um, you know, George Floyd killing the Breonna Taylor stuff, this would feel like a direct response to that. And this was made before that. And I think that's important to note because this movie is commenting on things that feel like a direct conversation so much so that Tiona Paris's character's name is Breonna. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And yet it was written and made prior to any of that happening. So it's, you know, it's a very good point to make. 
and I think that's especially for some of the complaints about it being on the nose. I think it's definitely on the nose if you're looking at it as a reaction to those events. But when it was made before, it's almost prescient that it was so aware of the problems in our society that were not being addressed that show up in a movie that then looks like it's a direct reaction to something that just happened. I think that's worthy of note. Like this movie was supposed to come out last June, like a, in 2020, yep. if I'm not mistaken. June and, and then like November time or something as well. And then uh, now to us, to August, finally getting its release, it seems like a direct response and it was made before. And I, I can't stress enough how important that distinction is, especially if your criticism is that it's so on the nose. It's like, why is it on the nose though? Is it on the nose because it's been a hot topic for a year? This movie was made before that. It was trying to basically say that we're still reckoning with this. And the fact that this movie is pointing out that this keeps happening, that it's a repeated problem after we witness that problem happen again is powerful. It adds to the point the movie is making. Um, and again, it was it was making that point a year ago. It just didn't get to come out because of COVID, you know? Yeah. No, you're right. But there are other reasons why people don't like it, of which mm-hmm. I'm not going to go in. I'm not going to give time of day. But um, yeah, I think uh, what you'll say that is extremely pertinent point. Um, I remember when this was this was made, and it, it isn't a direct reaction of anything. It's almost foreshadowing, but it also yeah. shows to say, hey, look, it's happening. It's happening. This, this it happened after this film was made. So you know. Um, but I think also to note that whilst you said that it's important that this film isn't rewriting the law of the first film or even Candyman. I think it's my last point is it's important to note that this film isn't actually rewriting or rehashing that first film. It isn't just a modern remake of Candyman. It is a successor. It is a spirit. Yes. It is a sequel in all intents and purposes. It's not just a remake of Candyman. There, there are different beats to be followed, um, different character motivations. It's, it takes place in and around Cabrini green, of course, an original, but, and we, we, we get some name drops, but, um, it, this isn't just a modern version of that first film, which for me, I was also very pleased about because it could have been very easy just to remake that first film. But, um, so I think uh, I'll, I'll just, just for closure, you're going to recommend this one big time. Yeah, definitely recommending Candyman. Yep. So if it's safe to do so, go out and check this film out. It didn't disappoint me. And it seems to be a lot of film fans around the globe seem to be enjoying this one as well. So, our spoiler review will drop in the next few days. But until then, we'll move on to our next segment, which we like to call Chuffed Headlines. And it's our section where John and myself, we grab a movie or pop culture headline that caught our attention for any reason under the sun. And we bring it to each other's and your attention. So, John, what have you picked out uh, this week? So my headline uh, I stole from you, uh, the one we're going to focus on. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was funny because we were uh, listeners a little behind the scenes. Matt and I are mapping out the year. You know, what are we going to see? Because we have to, things have to sync up because some movies don't get released uh, here on this at the same time they do there and vice versa. So one of the things uh, that he picked for like in December is Resident Evil. Uh, what is it? Uh, Raccoon City and Raccoon Welcome City. To Raccoon City. Welcome, Welcome to Raccoon City. And I forgot they were remaking, rebooting the Resident Evil yes. franchise. Certainly um, a reboot. And I, when I was actually looking at the list, I thought it was like an animated movie because they've done a few Resident Evil animated films as well, which are not bad. Um, the animated ones are okay. So I was expecting, that's why I just kind of skipped over it. And then you you mentioned it. I was like, oh, if that even happens. And the next day <laughs> we get images of the set and the movie. So it is in fact happening and it is going to be coming out apparently on schedule. Um, so there's three images of the set. We get... Uh, 
Claire and Leon. Um, so yeah. I'm guessing I don't know how like familiar you are with the games map, but I oh, no, I, I know I, the characters in the games. Yeah. Yeah, so it looks like we're getting a combination of the first and second game mm-hmm. in this movie, which feels like a lot to try to cram into a movie, um, because there's that's a lot of story between the two. So I don't know how well it's going to play out. It obviously depends how they structure their story, or if it is going to be a straight riff of the game, or are they going to just be inspired like the first, like the old films, the Anderson films? They're almost like inspired by the games more than anything. I mean, the look of the characters feel like it's out of the game, though. Like they but look. This feels more so, yeah. Yes, very much so. Much, the, uh, much more so. Yeah, they they tried to like retcon the like they cram the games more into the later movies. Uh, <laughs> like they just start cramming characters, and like yeah, yeah, yeah. This is how it is. Um, but this looks like they're going like the image of Leon and Claire looks straight out of Resident Evil Two. Like, yeah. it, um, so I don't know. I'm a little torn with some of the casting. Um, I like Robbie Amell. Um, he was uh in on like the the Arrowverse as one of the characters for a little while and he's Stephen Amell's uh cousin um who is Arrow mm-hmm. and so I, I I've seen him in a few things he he's genuinely fine um I'm not sure who the guy is playing Leon like I'm not familiar with him but you know I'm I hope it's good I I like the Resident Evil I think the Resident Evil story and the lore is very rich and and yeah. would be a good movie series I, I don't know if we're going to actually get a good movie series because video game movies often fall short so i i'm hopeful though let's you know what, what did you think about the images i thought they looked uh, i think they looked promising uh this is a film which is uh, for me it's still going under the radar slightly i don't know if it's tainted yeah. by the absolute um toilet blockers that were the the other eight the Milijovic anderson and the other directors films as well i just there's you know little moments in some of those films that were pretty cool but other than that they were for me horrible um so I'm hoping that this one can kind of erase the memory of those films. Uh, but like you say, the animated features seem to know how to do it. They get the tone right in the characters. So uh, we got to see one of the one of the, the zombies as well, which was an interesting design. Um, looked very looked very kind of uh, gothic horror, uh, not quite Lovecraftian, but not far off. Uh, but it, it, the vibe feels right. You know, they're in the mansion, whether it's a Spencer mansion or not, I don't know, but um, they're in a mansion at least. It looks, feel, it feels right. It doesn't look polished and shiny and gleaming. I don't think we're going to get like a new metal hard rock soundtrack over the top of this one. Uh, but I I think it's a promising start, dude. It could end up being um, disappointing. It may end up being like a, it may, my big fear is it feels a bit like a, straight to dvd type film that's my big worry however you know they're, they're starting the marketing push two three months early now whatever they're so hopefully we'll start to see some some tra- some footage or some a trailer soon and i think that's where we're going to get our real real good look at it but from what we've got so far officially color me intrigued dude yeah yeah i'm i'm in so far um, do you want to do your headline and then come back to my minor headline, or do you want to do my minor headline first? Let's, let's do your one first. Okay. So this other one is barely an article, but uh, they we mentioned the Candyman legacy sequel effect. Uh, then we This is a, now apparently a trend we're going to be getting, especially within horror, where we are retconning a lot of movies, and it's just going to be like the first movie and then the second one that we've recently made, like Halloween and Halloween, and then Candyman and Candyman. And apparently, we're getting a Texas Chainsaw Massacre um, 
legacy sequel that I believe will be the direct sequel to the first movie from 74, according to this article, that is accurate. And it is, uh, Netflix has got the rights to it. So it is a Legendary Pictures movie. It is, I believe, already made, and it's going to be coming to Netflix soon, but there's no official release date yet. But there is a, uh, I don't know if the trailer, I think the trailer here is the original film that they're, they just lapped in here for like, cause I guess people don't know what the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is. Um, now here's the hot take, man. I'm not a big fan of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, I, I found it not enjoyable. Uh, it was more annoying to me than scary. And I, I, I don't know. It felt like weird for the sake of being weird mm-hmm. more so than like a powerful storytelling device. Um, I, I am a huge fan of like, uh, Halloween. I'm a, I love the Friday the 13th movies, even though I think they're, they're bad. I enjoy them. I enjoy Freddy. And I just never really got into Texas Chainsaw. And I know it's a, it's a beloved film. Um, some people, it's their, like their favorite horror film. It's like the epitome of horror. And, uh, often big tuna and I don't see eye to eye, but, uh, uh I mean, that's not fair. We, we often see eye to eye, but sometimes like, especially on some of these big ones, we, uh, are on opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, but we both don't love Texas Chainsaw. I think he might hate it more than me even. Cause I, I don't know that I hated it. I just was like, I was expecting to be kind of blown away by it. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't, it was more like, okay, I guess like it's, it's, I don't know if anything, the movie that closely reminds me of it is house of a thousand corpses, which I also think is overrated and not yep. that good. Um, and they both feel like they're, they're, weird for the sake of being weird you know like like what are the uh, cannibals that's messed up and it's like yeah but it's not it's just uncomfortable i don't i don't enjoy watching this and i don't you know i I, most horror movies while it might make me uncomfortable i enjoy the experience i don't with texas chainsaw so i'm not super excited about the sequel i I will watch it probably Mm -hmm. um but it it is man netflix boy they keep popping in there and and snatching these things out of the uh, theatrical runs um, in the old days, that was a sign of bad quality. I don't know that that's the case anymore. I, I feel like um, this could be very good. And if it lives up to some of these other legacy sequels, they've all been pretty solid so far. You know, I mean, yeah, because like the the Friday the 13th, or, or I'm sorry, the Nightmare on Elm Street was a reboot. It wasn't a, you yeah, know. That was a straight up remake. Yeah. And that failed. But the Halloween re, uh, legacy sequel, the Candyman legacy sequel so far, I, I know time will tell still, but it seems to be mostly getting positive reviews. So maybe this will do the same kind of curious to see. Cause my understanding, most people hate the Texas chainsaw sequels. Like there's not like a lot of love for those, the follow-ups to the first movie. Um, yeah. I mean the D remake, the 2005 remake wasn't actually that bad. Um, however. I agree with that. I saw that in theaters. That's the, uh, Jessica Beale. Yes, that's right. Yeah. I think it's mid to mid noughties when it was that kind of, wasn't the best decade for horror. Cause they just, had that horrible kind of polished look to them in it well, yeah even even something like that which went um for the texas chainsaw magic which tried to keep that vibe to it and i i, I totally understand what you mean though dude with the original toe poopers texas chainsaw mask I, I i like the film i think it's good i don't love the film it's it's just very dirty and i know that's the whole point of the film but it is a very grubby grimy dirty film it's not much to take from it other than you know, feeling uncomfortable the whole time, and you kind of feel like you need to have a shower to get all the mud and dust and dirt off you after watching it. Uh, it's fine though, you know, it's it's perfectly serviceable. It's got some shocking moments in it, but as for the sequels, yeah, I I don't know 
uh, many people who really hold reverence to that. You've got the big three. You've got Friday 13th, Halloween and Nightmare. They, uh, they are horror franchises. Then you've got your B tier, your Hellraiser, maybe your, maybe your Texas Chainsaw Massacre type thing. You know, I'm sure there are fans out there, but you're not touching the big three. Um, so for this, I mean, uh, it's on Netflix. So as I've, as I've been saying all along, anything that's on streaming that comes out and gives me the chance to watch it where I may not watch it on the, at, at the cinema means gives, gives me more, more opportunity or more desire to watch this. The fact that I can just sit down at home and watch it on Netflix. I haven't got to go out and watch something which I'm not entirely sold by. Uh, so, but like you say, Netflix have got Netflix are hoovering up at the minute, and you know I, I don't want to count it out before it's even started. I want to give it the benefit of the doubt. It could be very good, mm-hmm. but I mean they did the Leatherface uh, prequel a couple of years ago, um, Marion Bastillo, the guys behind Inside, which I thought Alan Tillier, which I didn't mind the Leatherface prequel actually. I didn't mind it too much as a kind of slasher throwback. I thought it was alright actually. I do think I'm in the minority there. But I don't know what they could do with this to make it to kind of really sell it to the masses or because Netflix is going to want to make something back out of this. What can you do with this franchise? With, you could say they have a lot of horror franchises. Nightmare on Elm Street was the most in- innovative of the lot, but they had the whole idea. They had the whole dreamscape to play with. Anything's possible. Halloween goes up and down because, you know, it's just Michael Myers. Other than like, you have to make him invincible, basically, or cursed to change the story. Um, and Friday the 13th, again, it's a guy in a hockey mask. Well, you've got to really mess around with law or make it interesting. What are they going to do with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre to make it interesting, to make it a series of films, a new series of films? I don't know, but I will watch it with um, trepidation, uh, but yeah, I haven't yeah. got any kind of real attachment to this franchise, man. Yeah, it's the same. But I thought it was a, it's a big one for Netflix to get their, their teeth in because yeah. if if it does well, and they want to do another like sequel to the legacy sequel like we have with Halloween kills coming out in, in October, Netflix would have, I assume the potential maybe first right to, to show the next one. So they might be looking to get their, their uh, grips on a iconic franchise that they can you know make more of. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, time will tell my friend. However, time will tell for this film because there's, you know, there's no time to die. It's a tenuous link at best, but uh, my headline is about the new James Bond film, No Time to Die, J- Daniel Craig's final outing as 007. Uh, and this week in, of recording today, in fact, two new trailers dropped. We had an international trailer and a US trailer for No Time to Die, and it confirmed the release date in the UK is September the 30th. In the United States, it's a week later, October the 8th. So they are... They've confirmed it now. Maybe we can all stop joking and laughing about if this film's actually ever going to come out. In the UK, September the 30th, and I assume across Europe, and then in the USA, October the 8th. But they released these trailers. Um, as we mentioned off-air, There are there's already been trailers, which were fine. I, I didn't mind some of the trailers. What I will say is I watched these two trailers today um, on a break from work, and they did nothing for me. I genuinely did not like these two trailers. The international one, especially, I thought was a bad trailer. The US one was a better trailer. It it, it kind of hinted and pointed in intriguing ways of what the story could be. It showed us a bit, le- I'll say a bit less international. It showed us more of what you want from a trailer, not just kind of random characters looking. Um, I wasn't a fan of the international trailer or really as much as the, the US one, really. It doesn't... F- 
oh, I'm going to say, it just doesn't feel like a James Bond film in the mm. Daniel Craig canon. It doesn't, it's just something about it. It Certain parts look like it, but there's something a bit off about it. It doesn't feel right. I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it, but just nothing grabbed me. It didn't feel good. It didn't look good. Um, and there was a line Daniel Craig uh, says, and I remember thinking, damn, that paycheck must have been good to get him back because he does not seem into it. Of course, he would have been as a professional, but he says something like, if we don't do this, everything will have been um, quick tech line for, uh, for nothing. It sounds really laboured and really just, oh, Daniel, that's not a good line delivery. And it's in the trailer. Uh, the trailer didn't work for me whatsoever. I'm still going to see the film. I like the Daniel Craig Bond. I don't like all of the films, but I like the Daniel Craig's Bond. Yeah. I like the cast for this film. I think, again, I think we've got a very good cast with um, Anna Diarmas is coming in. We've got Lashana Lynch, uh, Leia Seydoux, Rami Malek, uh, Christoph Waltz is back again. As we know, Ben Weishaus, again, great cast. Uh, very intri- excited to see um, the director as well here. Uh, hopefully we can uh, carry Fukunaga. Very excited to see mm. what he can do. So the elements are there, the ingredients are there, but I was so disappointed by these two trailers. If these were the, the trailers to promote the film, man, my, my excitement would have taken a massive dip. But uh, I know you haven't seen these trailers. I, I know not. that you're a huge fan of the old James Bond films. I, I am a fan of the Craig Bond. Films. Uh, that's Daniel Craig is my Bond. Like I was, I never really got into the Pierce Brosnan Bond movies. I never, I've never sat through most of the older ones. Um, the ones that I tried as a kid, I never really got into. And I just, they just always felt really slow to me. Um, even, even back then before like, you know, modern action movies. And I love Casino Royale. Didn't, didn't dislike quantum of solace, but also can't remember anything about it. Like yep. it's super forgettable. Love skyfall. Like skyfall yes. is so good. Spectre devastated me. I thought it was so disappointing. I wanted it to be so great because I'm a really big Daniel Craig fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I I've loved him in so many things and, uh, I, I really loved him in knives out. Yes. I loved him in Logan lucky Logan so lucky. much. Like he's like <laughs> he's my favorite fun. part of that. Yeah, he is. And layer cake is fantastic. A lot yeah. of people have slept on that movie, but that movie's so good. And so like, I, I genuinely am excited for Craig and that's, what's disappointing is it, it sounded like he didn't want to do this movie and then he still did it. And then your comments like make me really apprehensive. Like, did he just do it for the money? And I can't fault him for that. But I'm still going to have to sit through that. You know what I mean? And there are plenty of examples of actors who, who do a job because it's a job. And you can't entirely fault them for that. But at the same time, a fan of what he's done, you definitely would prefer it to, to not end on a sour note. Especially since we got a second movie. because Or a, a fifth movie. But you know what I mean? Like We thought yeah, Spectre yeah, no, was yeah. the last one. We were expecting Spectre to be the last one. And the fact that it's not, well, I want, I want this one to be good then because Spectre was so not good. <laughs> um, like, and again, much like Quantum, I don't remember everything about it. I remember some of the things that frustrated me about it, but also I've blocked out most of that movie. Um, but I like Craig. I hope this is good. I'm definitely up to see it. I, I thought the earlier trailers were pretty solid before. Like there was some really cool, like music cuts and stuff that I thought seemed exciting. Rami Malek's character seems a little, I don't know, maybe a little too old school Bond villain. You know, mm-hmm. like it's got that kind of cartoon vibe to it that the other movies haven't had. Um, 
I, I think they tried it with Blofeld and Inspector, and it didn't really. They didn't stick the landing with that at all. No. Like it felt rushed and not great. But yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. So, yeah, uh, I, I hope it's good. I hope it's a good swung song for um, for Daniel Craig. But time based on these trailers. Ooh, I, I'm not quite as excited, but maybe that's just me being fickle. So we'll find out September the 30th and October the 8th. And you know, we're going to be covering that once it, once John's able to see it. So, um, mm-hmm. no time to die, but there is a time to move on to, ha to our next segment, media consumption. Uh, this is the section where we talk about the movies, the TV shows, streaming shows, video games, music, podcasts, which aren't ours, books, comics, whatever that we've been using to pass the time since our last show. And John has always got a fine selection. So what are you doing this week? So I um, watched, I listened to the Blank Check podcast. Uh, we're on the mm-hmm. third episode of, or the fourth episode of the John Carpenter series. And it's The Fog. Uh, Matt, yeah. first, are you a fan of The Fog? Uh, I do like The Fog, yes. I do too. I'm, I'm actually, a, a, it's one of a guilty, I, I don't want to call it guilty pleasure, but I feel like it's a, a slept on Carpenter film that I really, really like. Now, here's the interesting thing, Matt. You have told me, I believe, that you were going to try to finally listen to Blank Check because <laughs> I think of the Carpenter movies. Have you done so, sir? I have dipped a toe in. My problem is I it's finding the time to listen because I mentioned, yeah. I'll, I'll mention, actually, I'll mention, I'll, I'll tell you why actually in a, in a minute, the reason I have, but oh. uh, do, do, do continue, sir. Well, so The Fog's guess, uh, in case listeners, I, I've talked about Blank Check for a while, but I don't always mention the format. So it's it's Blank Check with Griffin and Davis. So you have Griffin Newman, who is an actor, uh, kind of, I guess now he has to be called a film critic because he's been doing this for like five or six years now. And he's definitely, uh, he's done more in that realm than not. Um, but he is an actor. He's in a bunch of stuff. And uh, then David Sims, who is a critic, I think he currently works for Variety, um, yeah, that sounds wrong, but he's, he's, he's been on a few different outlets, big outlets. Um, and they review, uh, a film series by a director. Like they, they go through a director's filmography. Um, and they always have, most of the time they have a guest. Um, this week's guest on the fog talking about the fog is Nia DaCosta, director of Candyman. Nice. Um, this, and I didn't realize this is the second time she's been on the show. She was on the, uh, force. No, no, no. Oh, she was on one of the Zemeckis episodes. I'm trying to remember which. Oh, Castaway. I think she's on the Castaway episode, um, which I listened to, but didn't. It didn't connect the dots that it was her until this episode. Um, so it was cool, cool timing uh, that, like, partially intentional by them, but not entirely because in the episode it was recorded a few months ago. You could tell uh, they didn't know for sure when Candyman was coming out, so like they didn't know that it was going to drop the same week the episode dropped. It just happened to work out that way. Um, but it's a really good episode as I, as I find most of the episodes to be. Um, and they do, they kind of deviate, uh, from the talk of the fog and kind of like talk some other horror related things in relation to Candyman to a degree. So really good episode, good timing, uh, to listen to it. And if you haven't ever checked out blank check, I do recommend it. I feel like there are room for many podcasts in one's life. And so you can listen to ours and them. Um, agreed. Mo- uh, the only show I really watched this week is I watched What If Episode 2. Um, I have, I'm a week behind now because Episode 3 is out and I haven't watched it yet. But Episode 2 is the uh, T'Challa. What If T'Challa was Star-Lord? Yep. Um, really solid, cool episode. Very. I was surprised at the direction in which they took the episode. Um, 
because it, I don't know, like the what if premise could be so simple of, as just like, what if we just randomly swap this out and this thing happens? There, there's major ramifications with this change. It's not just like, oh, you know, random, this person becomes this other thing. It's like, no, no, he would, it's, he would take on new characteristics because his life would be different, but he's still ultimately the same person. So there's a lot of cool kind of things to play with on that really cool episode. Definitely recommend checking out what if, um, and then I've watched a bunch of movies. So I watched Riddick. That is the third entry in the Chronicles of Riddick trilogy. If you will, it's like, uh, it's, it's a little, it's a little long and it, it, it definitely gets boring. Um, it does take on some pitch black elements, which was the cool part of the movie, but it takes a while to get there. Um, cause there's some cool people in the cast in that one though. Uh, we get, um, I watched hustle and flow. Mm-hmm. Have you seen hustle and flow? Uh, no, I have not, but I'm aware of it. I, I love that movie so much. Uh, Terrence Howard, I've always been kind of lukewarm on. Like, I don't dislike him, but he's often just kind of like, you could replace him with a lot of people that would do a better job. This performance was like, oh, I get why he was getting so much work because he's great in this movie. Like, he's really, really good. It's not his first performance, but it is kind of, I think, his like breakout of, a, of the leading man role. And he's so good in this movie. Um, Anthony Anderson is also in it. And uh, the guy who's in Road Trip, the kind of scrawny, like nerdy guy, his name's DJ. I always forget his name, though, because DJ sounds like a generic, like, title that you give the guy who scratches records um he's in it too and then but taraji p henson's in the movie and taryn manning who if you've ever watched orange is new black that's where i most know her from um she's also in she's uh eminem's like first girlfriend in eight mile um but this movie's great like i slept on this movie and i i'm just like more people need to talk about hustle and flow it is such a good movie there's so many great things in it the music's really good Which and then the one that won the academy award for best song i think i'm sure we did that did. on astrology yeah and we, uh, we yeah, both, i'm like, pretty sure we need to watch that and uh we, it's actually for movie club we're, we're watching that this for we're reviewing that this week and I was just like, I was doing stuff while watching it, which I usually don't do for movie club, but I was multitasking like a lot that this weekend. And it, it pulled me in despite me not giving it all of my attention at first. And it was like, they demanded my attention and it, it so good. I was like, so invested in the characters. There's so much in the story. Uh, Ludacris is also in it. I'm a big Ludacris fan anyways. Like I think he's an, un- I think he's a slept on actor because he's a rapper first, but Hustle and Flow, folks, if you skipped it like I did, I highly, highly recommend it. And check out our episode on Movie Club. Uh, it sounded like Corey also was really into it. We haven't talked about it yet, but I got the vibe that she also really, really liked it. Um, it's just got, it's got so much. It's just, it's an underdog story. It's like trying to overcome like our circumstances in life and, and chase a dream. Um, and the potential, you know, downside of that too. But uh, I've been watching a lot of horror movies. Uh, I mentioned last week's episode of the Blank Check podcast. Um, uh, Alex Ross Perry was the guest for the Halloween episode. And he gave a list of 15 horror films that he feels you need to see to really appreciate what Halloween did in 1978. Yep. Um, so I've been watching. I watched um, The Omen, which I'd never yeah. seen. So good. I, yeah. I'm glad I finally checked that off my list. The original Amityville Horror, which mm-hmm. I'd never seen. No, don't mind um, that. It's it's quite good. Uh, Josh Berlin's dad, James Berlin, I believe. Um, yes, James Berlin. Uh, and um, Lois Lane, what's her name? Uh, Mar- Margot Kidder? Margot Kidd, I think so, yeah. Well, I can't remember uh, her name. She's really good in this. I love her in Black Christmas, but I like her a lot in Amityville. Uh, I watched It's Alive. 
Yep. Which is we- is crazy. Uh, there's some really cool stuff in it. It, it feels like a like a setup movie for the Toxic Avenger almost. Like is <laughs> like this is an origin story for how he came into existence. Um, Horrible monster things here. Yeah, and then uh, I watched the Sentinel. Um, all because of the, their, his list. Uh, the Sentinel, I also found really compelling, especially seeing like Jeff Goldblum as a uh, photographer, Christopher Walken as a police officer, just like some big names, just like in random small bit parts. Um, and then uh, for a friend's birthday, um, because on my birthday, we watched Troll 2. We watched The Room. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, it was great fun because I, I had seen it before, but the three other people I watched it with had never seen it and knew some of the scenes, obviously, because that movie is as legendary now. Um, but boy, were they uh, they not prepared for the, the spectacle that is The Room. Uh, we had a great time laughing and, and uh, cutting up watching the movie, um, you know, reacting appropriately to the crazy that is that movie. And then... Uh, the last thing I can't say anything about, but I, I just checked out a new Nicolas Cage film called Prisoners of the Ghostland. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm under embargo until the 13th, so I can't give any thoughts on it or anything like that. But I did I did get to see that, so I'm just mentioning it now. Sweet. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Um, I haven't heard anything about it, obviously, but I know it's out. And I, I've seen the some Pope pictures and images are on, on the tweets. And obviously, following on from Pig, I'm um, you know excited to see uh, what Nick Cage does in his fifteenth film of the year. Um, it's, but it's so many movies. I know Hor- horror month then horror week. Sorry for you. I'm glad you saw the Omen. A lot, most of that was filmed within sort of ten miles radius of where oh, I wow. live at the minute, which is pretty sweet. So, um, one of the first things I did when I came back was drive to the cathedral, which is because uh, I was in the area. Drove to the cathedral that is in the Omen when he's having his um, feet in the back. And mm-hmm. I was like, yep, I'm going to film myself going around there. Um, the cathedral, the church at the end where Gregory Peck's character takes Damien, that's filmed about eight miles away. Um, the, the the cemetery scene at the very end, that's been about two miles away in uh, one of the, I think it uh, might be the biggest US military cemetery out, in the world outside of America. It's just around, it's just that around the corner. It's really, really nice, respectful place. But it was filmed there. So a lot of local um, connections to that film. Plus the fact that it's really good. Um, this week I've been listening to the Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong About podcast. Um, just I started, this is like early last week. Um, start, I was listening to that. I mentioned it before. I listened to their take on the Star Wars prequel trilogy and um, Spider-Man 3, I believe it was, um, on that film because Spider-Man is topical at the minute. I, I enjoy that podcast. I haven't listened for a few weeks, uh, for, uh, for a week or so. Um, I've been uh, watching the because of that. I went back and I watched Sam Raimi's Spider Man and Spider Man Two. I am yet to get around to watching Spider Man Three. I haven't been quite as um, I haven't rushed quite so much to see that one yet. But yeah. uh, I really like you know me. If listeners to the show know I really dig those films. Maybe it's nostalgia. Maybe it's Maybelline. I don't know. But I really really like those films. Uh, Spider Man Two is the best Spider Man film. And the best superhero film, and he's in the top three for me. I don't argue, it just is for me. Um, so it's been great to go back and revisit those, given the No Way Home hype and the potential for that film. Um, so what can I say about those films that people haven't already said? Not much. So for the new films, I watched a film on Apple TV called Coda. Uh, I want to see that so I didn't bad. I realise it's an oh man, you, you're going to dig it. It's a it's an acronym for Child of Child of 
deaf adults, which I never knew about, but it also has a double meaning because the lead character played by uh, Amelia Jones is, um, she is an aspiring singer, musical coda, coda is a lot. There's, there's few meanings there. Uh, Amelia Jones is absolutely spellbindingly good in this film. She's a star in this film. So good. And every, and her family, including Marley Matlin are very, 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 very good. It's um, an emotional film. It's got some good laughs and it's a coming of age story. So you kind of make, you may know some of the beats before they happen and you know, it, it, it kind of wraps up like a coming of age story would, you'll see where it's going, but that doesn't take anything away from it. Eugenio Derbez is fabulous as the music teacher. Uh, I really like Coda. It's, you know, it's fun. It's funny. It's emotional, satisfying. It's a bit of a tearjerker as well. So I know John is going to absolutely dig it. So, um, I look forward to hearing your thoughts on on that. Um, mm-hmm. I speaking of uh, well, not quite the same. Is I watched the last letter from your lover, Shailene Woodley, Felicity Jones, Joe Alwyn, Callum Thomas, I think his name is. Um, rom com, another another rom com or romantic film. Uh, I'd heard from a lot of people that this was going to be boring. It's going to be a um, kind of whimsical. Uh, weepy love film but i thought it was quite a good last letter from your lover it's, it's set in two time periods felicity jones is a journalist and she's having to cover a story um of her recently deceased editor and during her you know investigative part her pre-production if you will she stumbles across some letters um of a an illicit secret affair and she basically just gets in 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 it and wants to um find out more about it so with that we then get we then get taken back to 1960s london with shailene woodley's character uh, and we get to see the affair and how it plays and how it takes its uh emotional toll on everyone and in the in the in the present felicity jones is just out of a long old damaging relationship and she's finding her way back into love and just so happens to be a nice librarian there to help her out but um i liked it it was fine it in my review i said pretty much that it it, it hits the beats it knows what it is it knows what it has to do but it does those things perfectly well you know it's perfectly serviceable it's not going to blow your socks off but you know, it's it's exactly what I expected it to be. I thought it was rather quite entertaining. Not brilliant, but it was okay. Um, speaking of which, I saw a film called Demonic, the latest film from Neil Blomkamp, who's been out of the game for a while. Mm. Um, and having seen Demonic, I, I wish he'd stayed out of the game for a while. <laughs> I hated Demonic. Um, I genuinely dislike this film. It's it, it has such a good premise as well. If you've seen this, The Cell from 2000, it's very much like that. Um, mm. but in the synopsis is basically um a woman her her estranged mother is in a coma this shady company contacts her and says we've got this vr we can we can mind link you basically we want you to put this headset on you can go into you, you will link your minds and you'll be able to communicate in via vr with your mother in a coma let's find out what, what's going on inside inside her head what's 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 happening Obviously, there's more to it than that. It wastes such a good premise, and it makes way for that horrible acting. It looks it looks like a straight to VHS film, um, and I, it, I I give props because it was filmed during the pandemic, so I respect that. But it looks bad. It, the, the acting's not great. There is no uh, attempt at tension or atmosphere or scares. There's no there's no imagery in it which I came away from. The vil- the bad antagonist is naff. There's a big old scene in the middle of the film where they get a PowerPoint show, they get Google, they get the newspaper clippings to try and explain what's going on. 
Um, it's it, it's awful. It just feels like Neil Blomkamp just wanted to make a, f- a few quid, and I don't mean to sound disparaging against him, but it just doesn't seem like the passion's there. He, you know, the pa- the passion when he made with District Nine, Elysium and Chappie was there. Uh, how much he wants to do Alien Five, you can tell this guy wants wanted to do that more than anything. And Demonic just feels like a. Uh, it's kind of like when M Night Shyamalan was just throwing out bad films, but this feels like there's a lack of heart behind it or so on. And uh, this might sound might sound really sort of disparaging or 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 negative, but it just feels even sort of more lazier than by numbers. I don't know what it is, but I I was bored watching it. And I really didn't like Demonic. I was it's the worst film I've seen this year, and that's after seeing Don't ah. Breathe too. It, I was wondering what it was because you made a comment that. Oh um, yes, yeah, I, yeah. Twitter, I, right? Oh damn, yeah. It was just having seen that and then seeing Demonic. I was like, damn, I, I, I wish I hadn't received this. And now it's it's not good. I, I'm sure there are some people out there who like it. Last time I checked, I think I had like twelve percent, thirteen percent on RT. It's not hasn't gone down well. When looking at the reviews after I put mine out, people are saying similar-ish things that it just feels hollow it's just it it feels like a a rushed attempt at nothing so if you like demonic would love to know what your take on it was but it just did not work for me whatsoever you, you should reach out to big tuna because he liked it <laughs> oh he's always the contrarian when it comes to me or us isn't he i would love oh, to know i would have thought he night. hated it oh um, man he he is a blumkamp supporter he likes Chappie also which i i've not watched Chappie to be fair i've watched enough of Chappie to know i don't want to watch Chappie. no district nine and it becomes almost cliche to say now but good film i really like yep. district nine Big elysium film. no problem with that it's fine don't mind it Chappie, uh and that was 2015 i want to say so it's been six years now yeah and, and i didn't you know, make it through uh Elysium, but that wasn't a criticism of the film. I had to like, I literally had to leave the place I was watching it. I was at a friend's house watching it, and like, I had to leave, and I never went back to it. But I think that says something. I wasn't like, oh my god, I got to finish that movie. I was like, yeah, okay, I get it. It's cool. Um, yeah, no, and, well, that's... Chappie just. Mm. Ooh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on Demonic because I know I'm not overacting here because I've seen the critic response to this and even yeah. the can response isn't great either to be honest and it's a shame it's a low budget horror which i would have thought blomkamp could have had fun with but it, it just seemed to get away in this one and you look you win some you lose some i'm not going to sit here now and say that neil blomkamp has peaked but this is not a good comeback for him so you know when he releases something else i'll go and watch it I'm yeah. going to write him off because of this, but he's still claiming um, District Ten is going to happen at some point. He keeps saying that, but I, I, I've mentioned uh, on a on another show that District Nine was twelve years ago now. You know, so yeah. I, I keep thinking it was like five, six years. It's twelve years, man, and it's been twelve years since he made a a film that was, you know, I say universally but widely um, positively received. Elysium, you know, not so it was fine. Chappie wasn't particularly worried, and now this. I mean. People are questioning him. I think that's wrong because, you know, he could come back with an absolute belter in his next film. We don't know. Or they might pull it out of the bag and say, oh, yeah, do your Alien 5. Let's go. I mean, maybe maybe great. So I'm not going to shut the door on Blomkamp, but this wasn't a good return. Um, in terms of... Uh, I've been playing Aliens Fire Team, actually, thinking about There's a link there. The new uh, online game, um, I don't know what you'd call it, multiplayer uh division type game aliens fire team very good been playing that over the weekend um really addictive as well 
on PS4, there are some bugs, so beware that if you're playing it, you may lag or you may even get kicked out of the game halfway through. Um, that is a PS4 issue, which I hope they iron out. But Aliens Fireteam was a lot of fun if you can play with some friends. Uh, good fun. And Star Wars Tempest Runner, the new audio drama from the High Republic, because it was released today. Uh, it's not a print book. It's an audio drama only with a full audio cast. So I've been mm. listening to that. But problem i'm having with that is where i've been working from home as is the blank check podcast now plays in i can't well i, I put things on in the background to listen to and when i'm working i, I realize 10 minutes later i haven't been listening i've just been working i think yeah, i just yeah. i tune out some people put, listen to podcasts whilst they work some people listen to it when they drive i've tried that and i tune, and i zone out because shock horror i'm concentrating on the road i struggle to listen to things unless i'm sitting and actually listening to them so uh, when I will listen to the blank check, but I think I'm going to have to do it when I go for a walk or when I go t- um, to do some exercise or something like that, where I'm more inclined to listen. Because I have tried, but and it's not a de- it's not a, a slight on the show or the audio book or because I've been trying to l- listen to more audio books, but I'm just struggling. I just can't take in what I'm trying to listen to whilst I'm working. Maybe I because I should be concentrating on work, but um, I will check out the blank check when I am. Um, exercising or, or walking, so um, yeah, I, I definitely I like working out to podcasts. Um, although I do the downside of like listening to a comedy podcast while working <laughs> yeah. out is that you laugh and people don't understand why you're suddenly bursting out in laughter. Um, but and Blank Check is not solely a comedy podcast, but it definitely they're they're comedians as much as they are critics, so you get you get both. But um, yeah, I get that. I totally get that. Yeah, so it's, uh, I'll get there one day. That's a me issue. Uh, so that is our media consumption. That's what we've been checking out. We'd love to hear what you've been checking out as well. Maybe some recommendations for us. Um, however, we uh, we get up each week to uh, record this show, but it doesn't come easy. There's a bloody awesome barometer which we need to hit each week, and we've got to find ways to stay bloody awesome. Uh, and we end our show by pretty much telling each other, how have we been staying bloody awesome to reach the levels that this show and you expect from us? So, JB, how have you been staying bloody awesome this week? So, I mentioned that we watched The Room for a friend's birthday. Um, after we finished The Room, we uh, I had got this blockbuster movie game uh, my wife bought for me. And it's kind of got, like, Family Feud meets Charade vibes to it. So, like, mm-hmm. it starts off, you, you, you split into teams. And the first round is, like, the opening of the feud, right? Like, two people come up to the podium. Uh, a question is read and it's something generic like uh, Western movies, right? And the first person to think of one says it and then they hit a timer and the timer starts counting. The other person says it, they click the timer and it resets and you keep going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth until someone can't do it and the timer expires, right? Like you're like, ah, and then after that, you draw these cards and you do this whole thing. And like, there's a, you have three movies that you're trying to get your other, your team to guess one by just using one word, one word that, though hopefully will be the trigger word for someone to guess this movie uh a a quote and the quote can either be from the movie or you can make it up so that it it sounds like it's from the movie but you can't use like the title of the movie or something like that and then the third one is the traditional charade right like you act out a scene and they hope that they can guess it no talking and there's other ways to win or whatever but so the head-to-head thing matt i am the movie person with my friends like everyone knows that i I obsess over movies and i know them way too well and that pressure was already on me when the game started, like the expectation that I'm going to have to know <laughs> everything. And so they read my head to head question and the head to head question is movies that begin with 
the. Okay. Now, okay. last week, if you look at my what I've been watching last week, Matt, I think there were five movies that had the in the title. Yeah. Um, add the Nighthouse from the week before, but that was part of my list when I was doing this. I thought of one movie that began with Dude, the during this. The thing- I, and it was The Batman. The new, not released yet, <laughs> The Batman. Now, here's where it gets bad. I literally, I choked. I can't, I could list right now probably 50,000 movies that begin with The. I will say, though, for me, I don't file those movies under T for The, right? No, I file them under their, uh, right, the actual title, not The, because whatever. Yep. But more so, on the table in front of me while I am trying to f- come up with a name and I cannot because I am panicking is the box for the room that we had just watched. <laughs> it's right there. Can't pull come it. And, I, and as a, my team is like, bl- like losing their mind, it's only making it harder for me because I know I should know. And I know that I do know mm-hmm. um, so many movies and yeah, uh, I could not have failed harder. I did succeed in the next phase, though, where I had to get, give a one word and a, a quote and a uh, performance. I was able to get my team to guess uh, with my, my stuff. And we did win, despite my choking on the head-to-head. Despite head. you. <laughs> yeah, I, I was, it was embarrassing, but a lot of fun. And, um, you know, we play a lot of other games, but this was, a, a, like, it was a more interactive. And it's, it's a movie game that is designed for casual movie fans mm-hmm. to be able to do, too. Like, you don't have to know every detail it's not asking you like hard trigger like who is the guy who is the third cousin of like it's it's very accessible fun game and um we had a blast playing it so i i do hope to i i hope i don't choke in the future but i i did have a good time doing that so we'll we'll play each other soon dude and uh yes. though you've already lost five points for not immediately saying the exorcist so yes of course right there. well to be fair all you have to do is to think horror films <laughs> so many so horror many films begin with the yeah so many the movies. That's the problem. It's like well, yeah. too many. The Candyman. Oh, wait. Yeah. The Thing, The Howling, <laughs> The Wailing, The Exorcist. There's four. The Omen. There's just, the Omen. There's five already. You don't read this horror films, man. But uh, well, I'm glad to team one. I'm glad you managed to get your honor and pride back. Um, despite, look, even heroes fall sometimes. So I wouldn't take yep. it too personally, man. Indeed. Um, for me, uh, it was d- attempting to listen to audiobooks, but now instead I have um, just I, I, I I've gone and done it. I've signed up to the gym. Nice. Done it. It's not not just now. I'm not just casually walking around or having to go on the exercise bike at home. Uh, I've signed up to the gym, and I intend to go this week and or three times a week at least when I'm not filming, watching films, podding, or whatever. Um, I'm going to go three times a week, and I'm going to be going, I'm going to be like Burke now. I'm going to turn into an absolute machine um, of a man. So, no, I'm excited for that. So I'm staying bloody awesome by uh, adapting, adopting the healthy body, healthy mind kind of approach. Um, you feel good within yourself, you'll feel good up here as well. So, uh, And also, it's good for you. Plus, I want to wear clothes I want to wear as well and look good in them as well. So, um, yes, mine is pretty um, stat. You wait till next week when I say, well, I've been once and it hurts. So I haven't gone back again, but no, I won't. <laughs> I'm, I'm paying for this monthly now, so it's not cheap. Um, so I'm going. If I start paying for something, then I'll do it. Uh, so hopefully this time next week, I better give you an update and say, well, I've lost five pounds, hopefully, or something like that. And I don't mean sterling. I mean, actual pounds. So um, that's me, Jim. I'm going to be like Burke. And, and that's the show. 
for this week as well. Uh, our spoiler review of Candyman will be out in a few days, so keep your eye out on the podcast feed. It's on the same podcast feed you're listening now. So wherever you get your podcasts, you'll find that feed. Of course, we're going to be back next week, and we are reviewing a uh, a big one next week. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings comes out, and we're going to be giving our non-spoiler and spoiler reviews of that so very intrigued uh, more than anything to check out shang chi uh but if you want to find us online you can do you can go to twitter at bamp underscore podcast b-a-m-p john where can i find us on instagram we are at bloody awesome movie pod and we're at bloody awesome movie podcast on facebook if that's still your jam if you want to find me online you can do it what i watch tonight.co.uk or what i watch tonight across all the socials and letterbox as well uh john where are you I'm at BurkeReviews.com and Burke Reviews on all the social media platforms. And hanging outside Dunkin' Donuts like a right mole rat. Um, <laughs> and uh, as we mentioned, if you like the show, if you uh, please share it with your friends. And if you have a spare minute or two, please do consider rating us five stars and reviewing the show on your podcast provider of choice because it gets more people listening. And it means we get to interact with more film fans on a weekly basis, which is what the show exists for. So uh, if you could do that, we would love you. However, we are going to love you and leave you. And I am going to tell you to stay mm. bloody awesome and keep watching movies. Awesome.